Welcome to Laughing Your Mask Off, the podcast where we talk to comedians about navigating the world of comedy since the pandemic. I'm Katherine Cowan. And I'm Carly Palestina. And today we are talking to the intuitive, empathetic Connor Janda. Hi. Hello. Welcome, Connor. Thank you for being here. It's so exciting. Okay, no, I'm jazzed to talk to both of you. Yay. <laughs> um, well, jumping right in, um, where are you from? How'd you get started in comedy? Just sure. tell us about you. It works. Okay, so I was, I'm from Philadelphia. Um, I grew up in like a little suburb outside of the city in a cul-de-sac. And then um, I went to college in North Carolina. And then I, wait, this is not a linear story. I'm going to make it more linear to comedy. So I grew up in Philadelphia where I did like theater and stuff. Like ever since I was such a little kid, like I think like starting at age six, I would do like, like Walnut Street Theater, like summer camps and like Saturday classes. And then, um, so then I did theater all through high school Um, and like no comedy, but like my roles in theater, I was always like the funny, uh, like the funny guy. Um, And so like the comic relief of most of those shows. And then, and I did like an improv camp in high school. Um, and I was on an improv team for five minutes before I quit it to be the lead in the musical. And I remember like the improv team director who was just like this old man. And he was like, you're making a huge mistake. And you want to know something? He was right. He was so right. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you just wanted to be a star like by putting something to do like the musical and I was like yeah you're probably correct um and that probably would have been more beneficial to just like be on the improv team but it was like high school it was high school I don't know yeah and then I went so then I studied um I started acting in college like an acting program in college BFA acting um at Elon in North Carolina and I was in that for a year and I was um and then I left it after a year for like 36,000 reasons um none of them were good reasons but I did leave I was like this is so I was like a rate I was a raging alcoholic in college I'm so I've been sober for five years but in college I was like just insane and I feel like that first year I like burnt every bridge did you guys study acting either of you I did wait yeah. where did you study acting uh UConn okay I is it a small program I feel like it's really small it is a small program. There were nine people in my class. Oh my God. That's, t- oh, so like if you burn, like I burnt every bridge and we had like 18. Yeah. So can you imagine nine? Like once you burn one, they just like, like dominoes. Yep. Yeah. So then I was like, okay, I need to get out of here. And I was like tired of lying on the floor in class and like breathing exercises. So I was like, <laughs> maybe this isn't my jam. So then I studied like English and communications, um, but I missed theater a lot. And, um, so when I graduated college, I was in, I moved to Chicago for a job that I was, that I had nothing to do with the arts at all, but I was like doing improv. And I did that for probably two and a half to three years before I switched to stand up. And then I switched to stand up about six to seven months before the coronavirus. And um, that is, and then in the coronavirus, I moved, I feel like this is going so fast. And then in COVID, I moved to New York um, where I continued doing stand-up. Awesome. But yeah, I, wait, sorry, no, you know. but did you guys, were you guys improvisers? Did you do improv? I did. I did a lot of improv. Actually, that was going to be my question because we've actually kind of done a lot of similar things where it's like the theater and the improv that kind of like works into theater and then the studying acting in school. Like, what was that switch for you between like, you know what, I would love to write some of this stuff down first. Like when was, (laughs) 
Um, what do you think inspired the switch from improv to stand-up? Okay, well, that is, I love that question. Um, I did not love improv and I really wanted to because I think we're like, we think we're supposed to. And in Chicago, it is that, it was huge. And I, I think I'm, I'm, a lot of those theaters haven't reopened since the pandemic, but before improv, it was such a big part of the Chicago, just comedy scene. And then I, so I was, did IO, are you familiar with IO? Yeah. So that's very like organic and like not sketch at all. But then I did Second City Conservatory, which most people hated and I loved. Yeah. I thought it was like adult summer camp, it was amazing. And, but what I liked also was that we were writing, like we would take the sketches and like, like improv, improvise things and then take the things that we liked from that and try to write sketches from that. Um, and I, that was my favorite part was the writing aspect of it. And everyone was like, I don't like this. I want to be a tree on the ground. <laughs> so, no, this is the best part. And then I, from there took like a stand up class. And I honestly took the class like, because I just had no idea. I had no concept of like how someone got started in stand up. Like I didn't know what an open mic was. I didn't understand that you could just like walk into any bar on a Sunday night and like just go up in front of people and like talk for five minutes or for like, it was, just, I didn't understand. So I almost like took the class like to literally get like a walkthrough of like what stand up even is as much as a lesson in like how to write stand up. And then, and then after like the first initial like miserable experiences, obviously like which most of them were, I was like, wait, I actually really love this. And then I, it's almost like everything that I hated about improv was fixed in stand up. Awesome, yeah, no, that makes so much sense. Yeah. Yeah. You I, like improv? I do like improv. I think it's, I think How it's scary. You. I know, I'm crazy. <laughs> no. Do you think it helps you <laughs> in your stand up? So I think it does help in a point because I think it like, I think there's a certain, I don't think I'm the best at improv of like the comedy mediums, but I think it's fun because it's like, okay, top of your head, just go. Like we're all being weird. And I think it's kind of nice to be able to tap into that. Um, I do love it. It's just not the strongest of the suits. Um. It was fun sometimes. Yeah. It was also more stressful. Like uh, the fact that you just show up with like five grown people and you have no idea what's gonna happen. Like actually, I think I like got worse at improv. Like when I start, I like got progressively more anxious and like less funny and bad. So like, which I don't know if that happened. I don't know how that even happens, but like I did. And yeah, I like, but then in standup, like it's written, like obviously there's an, an unexpected element and like you have to be like connected and, but like you go in with a plan and you go in by yourself. And like both of those things I thought were like very, just more in line with what I like to do and I'm good at compared to improv, which is just like anything can happen. And there's five people and we're all just like falling out of a plane and we just let ourselves fall. (laughs) I also feel like it's so much easier like to do stand up in the sense that like you don't need to coordinate so many people and like be on other people's schedules like if something comes up in my life like I never did improv but like I assume that like if something were to come up you can't like leave your improv you know you have to show up whereas like I can be like oh Mike like I'll go to a different one um yeah yeah. so stand up is better 
Um, Party of one. Like, that's true. Like, and you, like, you're not responsible. Well, and with that being said, like, how do you even, I guess for improv, you just like, we, we, we would have practice or rehearsal where we just like would try different things. We would just improvise together and like theoretically get better as improvisers, as a group. But like firsthand of it's much more clear, like what you need to do. Like you need to write, you need to try these jokes. You need to figure out what works and what doesn't work. And it's like all about you. And like, you're the only person that actually like matters. Um, whereas like, yeah, improv is like, oh, so many moving parts. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you were doing standup, you improv, then you started doing standup. What was your life like in standup before the pandemic? Like we, how was it? I mean, what were you up to? So I was doing, um, open mics in Chicago. And I, so I don't know what the New York scene is like where it's not like coronavirus. And I think like, it's definitely different now than it was. I moved here in December. So it's different now than it was a few months ago. But it does, the scenes are a little bit different. Like I feel in Chicago, there were these like certain mics were like the big important mics that you like worked, you almost like worked up to this mic. Um, whereas in, but they were like big and important because like there were so many people there and they would go until 2 a.m. So I'm like, well, maybe there aren't those in New York because of restrictions. Like we can't be there until 2 a.m. or just recently that was lifted. And like, we can't have 37,000 people in one room. So I don't know if that's a New York versus a Chicago thing or just a COVID thing. Um, but so like, I would go to Mike's pretty much every night and just like try material out and constantly record myself and then like hopefully listen usually not listen back and figure out what worked what didn't work but I also was like very reliant on classes and I know people hate classes but for me the classes honestly just like accountability um like making me right making me go to mics making me like have someone that I have to report back to and be like this is what happened because it's so terrifying like mics so scary at the beginning do you guys remember that yeah I used to make friends go with me every time like moral support <laughs> wait that's so nice yeah I'd have like a different I would only go if I could get a friend to go with me Kat, we're the opposite because I wouldn't tell I would not let anyone come I wouldn't tell anyone I was doing it I wouldn't let anyone come because I was like at least if I don't know these people then if I get up and I just am not funny like no one in my actual life saw this happen except for myself <laughs> like I like that you normalize just like having people like watch you like do well watching you bomb like watching you do everything in between so that's Cool. Yeah, it was also like I could not show up if someone, you know, I could be like, oh, I'm kind of scared, you know, yeah. if like no one was help, like holding me accountable. Yeah, um, and I also was like afraid of like walking. And this is dumb, but I was like afraid of walking into like clubs alone and like getting lost and just being like, where do I go? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I got over that, obviously, like it's we're, we're good now. But um, yeah, at the beginning, I was very like needed someone to kind of hold my hand through it. So weird. Like I literally took a class just so someone could explain to me how to go to an open mic. Like that was like, <laughs> that was the whole class. It took eight weeks for them to explain that. No, but that makes so much sense. Cause like, it's so funny. Cause it, so the lion's share of comedians I've met are so friendly at the base at the root of it and I feel like there's this stereotype that everyone's like comedians are mean and jaded and they're not nice but it's I don't think it's that I think it's that in general they're just slightly more awkward than the next person so you walk into a room and you don't know anyone and everyone's sitting there quietly you're like I don't know how to like make that first like hello so I guess I better just sit here quietly as well but then once you know one person in that circle you're like oh cool hello yeah and that, and see, and I think that was super true in Chicago too, was like all about like networking and trying to like grow your people, which is hard if you're shy. Are you guys shy? 
Not really. <laughs> Sometimes. I'm like very like dependent on the room, but like I feel like there's some rooms where I'm like, oh, I feel really shy in this room. Yeah. Not- yes. I feel like I'm shyer with non-comedy things. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I feel like if I were, like, I feel like I'm shyest if I'm in, this is not related to comedy at all, but I feel like I'm my most shy if I'm, like, in a group of my friends' friends. That makes sense. That's my, like, yeah, I'm not going to talk because I'm, like, nervous. I don't know. Not nervous. I just, like, don't know what to say to these people. What's your Myers-Briggs? I don't know. I got, I've gotten a few different ones. So I think it's unreliable. I don't know. (laughs) You broke the test. Yeah. Yeah. It's like every time I take it, I get a different one. I got the one that was like the same one as Katniss and that made me happy. Okay. That, that is cool. Like from the Hunger Games. Yeah. No, of course. Right. I got the same as Simba the Lion. And I love <laughs> I don't know if it's the old one or the young one, but that was yeah. me. Um, yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, we'll go back to our, to our trajectory of pandemic and comedy questions. I talk about how miserable open mics are for six hours yeah like the beginning was even when I moved to New York so I actually think like in Chicago I got comfortable very fast but only by like bullying myself into going every single night to the point where nothing felt important anymore because at the beginning you're like oh my god this is high stakes I want people to laugh at me whatever you're doing like probably like one a night and it just like feels like everything just feels important and then when you start doing it like literally like every single night, maybe two a day, sometimes three a day, then you're like, whatever, like, this is like a business. You just churn them out. And then they never feel super important. And then like the stakes are lower. You're more comfortable. It's like not as stressful. You like know what works and what doesn't work. Um, but that like takes time to get used to. And then when I stopped, like during the pandemic, I like stopped for a year pretty much. And then when I started up in New York, I literally was like, wait, I don't remember how to speak into a microphone. And I had to go back and listen to my voice on old recordings where I was like, this is what my voice is supposed to sound like. How do I talk like that? And I was like, I don't even remember. Did you guys have that experience at all? Yes. I remember the, my first time day back, I went up there and I just full blown, like stuttered through half of my set. I tried to make like a loose Corona joke. Terrible. And then I, by the end, I finally told like two jokes that got laughs and I was like, okay, we're ending strong. But the first part of my set was just like, sorry, I'm, uh, we're here. No. And it was so absolutely, I think I have it on tape. I should just record, uh, delete it rather. Uh, <laughs> it's terrible. So bad. So bad that, that you have to listen to all of them and figure out which ones are good and which ones are bad. And then listen to all the bad ones, which I never want to listen to again. It's just so sad. Yeah. I also got, this is so horrible and I shouldn't have done this, but I got so used to putting my set on the screen, like on my screen next to my zoom. And so I was like, not used to like rehearsing before going to anything. Um, cause I never, I would like read through it, but like, I would never, you know, like I forgot that I used to have to like walk around and like try like read it over and over again and like practice. So I get like the actual like jokes that I wrote correct. And I'm not just kind of like making them up as I go along. Um, yeah. And then I remember hopping back on stage and being like, oh, I wrote it. So I'll, I'll know exactly what to say. And it was not the case at all. No, never. I think I also forgot how to breathe. Like, I still maybe don't know how actually, but like, I like, you're nervous, you're just not breathing. And they're like, 
uh, it's here's a joke that I wrote, but I can't breathe. And now I'm talking fast. No one's laughing and we're in a pandemic and I'm on the <laughs> stage and this shouldn't even be an open venue. And then it's just like, it just, it's just horrible, terrible. Yeah. But yeah. then it gets better because you do it every, you just do it a bunch and then whatever, it gets better. Yeah. So then did you do no like Zoom comedy during the pandemic or what? Very little. What were so you doing? I did it like, um, I did. What did I do? I did like random ones. I did random ones, but not at the beginning. Like at the beginning, I was just so sad. The whole thing was just so sad. And like, I didn't want anything to do with it. So, but then eventually, but then, oh my God, then I took a class. <laughs> I was like, I'm going to take a class on the internet. I, that's my, my reaction to everything. It's like, let's just take a class, which is because it just like, it's like makes you do it. And so I took a stupid class that would make me write and it was fine and it did make me write. But then like, I didn't really actually do anything with that material for a while. And then when I moved back to Chicago in June from, I went, I went back to Philly in my parents' house for a few months, everything was shut in Chicago. But then in June of 2020, I went back to Chicago and was doing like, but like with open mics and live, like in person weren't happening. So I did a few Zoom ones like around that time. And yeah, it was fine. I liked it. I liked maybe like two that I did. I was like, this is cool that we can drink tea and do this. And I like would get on my Peloton while other people were going, which is rude. And I'm sorry. <laughs> I liked that was fun. That was an effective use of time. But then eventually it was just like, wow, I'm so tired of just like saying the same jokes to a screen and like not then people just stare at you. It's like, this is miserable. Yeah. I also would get so miserable. Like, I don't know how, like if you were working from home at the time, but like I was working from home on the computer all day and like on zoom meetings all day and then would log off of work and then just still stare at my computer and that I think was where the biggest like fatigue of zoom came from yeah yeah Yeah. maybe crazy yeah um well now we are out ish of the pandemic you said you've been hopping around and kind of back on the scene what is your like what have you been doing now that the world is kind of opened again um yeah, how, how has your life changed now that you can be back on stage? So I started, um, I started back in stand-up in, Fe- I want to say February. Okay, well, actually, okay, no, full disclosure. When I moved here in December, I, there really wasn't, one, were you guys here in December in New York? Yeah. So like, there wasn't really anything happening. Like, there'd be like one a night, um, there's just a random open mic a night, and it would be like in a park. Yeah. Central Park, not a random park, Central Park. But then I, two times I would like, right when I moved here, I was like, we have to establish norms. We must establish the the norms of going and doing this every day. Um, So I like went and tried to find it in the Central Park literally two times, couldn't find it. was like, why did I move here and went home both times? So sad. And then I was like, I'm, I've literally still to this day, like have not, will not go back to a park to try to do comedy ever, ever. (laughs) No. And, but as stuff has opened up like since February pretty much I've been like committed to like been good about it like almost every day at least like six times a week um doing like a mic or a show and like I call it joke time like getting up and telling jokes and then I think the hard part is just like finding like like the I don't even know like a writing routine I've never been good at that yeah I think even though I get up a lot and I think New York is like, it feels almost bad. Like it feels like a normal situation now, like with the amount of opportunities to tell jokes, I still like don't really write in an organized way like I need to, but yeah, I don't know. I feel things, things feel like a lot better than they did back in Chicago, you know? Yeah, totally. Why would, cause I know Chicago is such like a huge 
comedy scene as well. Like, why did you decide to make the switch from Chicago to New York? Okay, you wanna know something? I actually, okay, I was really torn. And I actually, for like stand up com, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it was a smart move or not. I don't, and it wasn't about comedy, the move. For me, the move was literally like, I moved back to Philly for three months. It was like, oh, I really like my parents and I wanna be on the East Coast. And stand up in Chicago, I really did like stand up in Chicago before COVID. Like it's the smaller scene. It's kind of like easier to like, I think climb there, but it's also Chicago. Like you're not on a coast. Um, and then like do your, do your connections that you make, like do those travel over with you? I don't know, who knows? So, but either way I was like, okay, I do think it would be smarter, smarter. if we were like just thinking comedy to stay in Chicago. But I was also like, I just want to be on the East coast with my parents who are in Philly and that's why I moved. And then, yeah, I mean, I wasn't going to move to Philly because I just like, really didn't want to, but I just like wanted to be closer to home. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, we both are literally in our parents' houses right now. So. <laughs> exact moment. Um, <laughs> literally right now. <laughs> oh, I like love home. I go home, I've gone too much. Yeah. Like, it's just, I don't know. I love it. And now it's like an Amtrak away, not a plane away. And it's awesome. just so much better. Yeah. Totally, really. I go home like every weekend. Um, because I, you know, it's I nice know. in the summer to be in Connecticut. Yeah. Um, yeah. So question for you about Chicago comedy. So yeah. in New York, everybody, I'm sure you've noticed this, but I feel like people are very like, well, because we're New York comedians, we are the best. And like we will have the best credits and like we can do the most. Like, do you feel like it is? better comedy like what do you feel about like Chicago versus New York like you're right like credits I didn't think about credits in Chicago like that just like wasn't as much I don't know I just didn't think about those um I think I think it's different um I think that there are more non-white male comics doing things here than in Chicago Chicago to me felt very like straight white man not everywhere but like largely um, where that like is true. Like actually when I first moved here and I was in all those seller 77, you can blur out that if you want. I was like, oh my God, all of these, have you guys been there? Yeah. It's like those, a lot of those for a while, I'm going there tonight, but at the beginning, I mean, I haven't been there in months, but like at the beginning, that was like the only thing that was open. And it was all these just like dudes that were so mad about whatever their girlfriends or stupid stupid shit and just like angry white guys not all of them like a lot of them and like that to me is such a Chicago type of comic um but I think that there's more people here that are like are non-straight non-white non like cis people like telling jokes and it's just like a lot more like you have a lot more like nuanced types of jokes being told yeah um and then but also I do think that it's more of like a hustle climb here and like it kind of like because it, it there are way more people I also feel like there are more opportunities um in New York like I feel like the New York like what you need to do is a little bit more clear than in Chicago like in Chicago I don't know that I like thought about like climbing or like what the plan was or structure like and I feel like in New York it's a little more clear like, like no like these are the festivals you need to do like these are the opportunities you need to grab um to like work your way up does that answer that question yeah Totally. And I think that makes a lot of, and you say you come from a theater background. So like, you may be able to answer this. I know there's a big, I'm going to call it a rumor, but that's not really 
what I mean, but people always say that like the theater scene in Chicago is amazing. You're never going to make money there. Whereas like New York, not that you're going to make money anywhere in theater, but <laughs> if like wow. New York is more of like a, Oh, you know, you see where you're going. So do you think that kind of is the same? Yes. Wait. Okay. Totally. And then also this is going to seem like a left field thing. I also work in group fitness. So, but I was also working in group fitness in Chicago and to me, like all the people that like in Chicago, like that was almost a weird job to have. Like Chicago is a very nine to five town. I didn't really know people that were like, yes, improvisers, yes, comics and stuff like are not like necessarily working a nine to five. The vast majority of people are just like working nine to five and cat like getting health insurance from their jobs and are just very like, like, like suitcase people. Um, whereas New York is way more, I feel like every single person has 17 jobs and that's great, totally chill. And they like, are like, no, this is like, we are artists. Like, this is what we do. Like, we like have a life where we write and we do these 17 different million things, all of which bring us joy and some of which bring us money. And that is way more normal to piece a life together in New York. Like I was full-time at my fitness job. And then I was like, wait a minute, like that does actually not lend itself to like growing as a comedian or a writer if I'm so like married to doing this all the time. So like I went part-time since moving to New York and I feel like that's the kind of thing that I wouldn't have done in Chicago. I feel like that doesn't have anything to do with what you asked, but no. I think that New York is a lot more like, um, like, like, but it's like kind of like, you don't need to do the things you don't want to do. You can be anything you want to be. Cause like you are in New York city. You just have to like take the risks and like to get yourself there. No, I actually think that does answer the question in like, a lot of ways because oh, cool okay good no totally because in new york there's the because kind of what you're saying is in new york there's, there's the energy of like oh no, no do whatever you have to piece together to get to where you want to go and like that randomness and weirdness is actually very normal where in some yeah. place like chicago it's like you have to be so bold to be like i will not be doing the nine to five i'm gonna piece my yes. life and people are like what do you mean that's curious yes yes like i think there's way more people who are like kind of taking uncertainty and insecurity and like accepting those things and then I think in with the hope of getting like it's like great risk great reward whereas I think other like Chicago the Midwest also maybe Philly a little bit are more like no there's not as much risk and then for less reward yeah yeah I feel like that really is the attitude around here though is where like I feel like it's very like well we're in New York so whatever we're doing is gonna be better than anywhere else so <laughs> whether or not that's true um, like I don't I'm trying to think about like the com other comedians that I see like whether or not they're there's incredible comedians in Chicago there really were like people were so funny um but generally those people then move to L uh, mostly LA a lot of people would move to LA yeah boo yeah, there's so many people who like so got their start at Second City, like like yeah. T Bay, Amy Poehler, like they all were like Chicago, John Mulaney, like they're all started in Chicago, but then they do like they make their way over. <laughs> Did he just stand up in Chicago, John Mulaney? I don't know. I know he went to Second City, or like I'm ninety eight percent sure that he is. Like whether or not he, because he, you're right, yes, he's from Chicago. But I was trying to figure out if he did comedy in Chicago or if he was just like from here and then pieced out Girl Scout. And then started in New York. I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, no, neither do I. Um, yeah, I really don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to ask him if he has a minute. Yeah. yeah I'm sure this episode of the podcast will bring yeah. you back and John Mulaney. Yeah. 
This question would, if we sent this question to him, I'm confident it would be his top priority. <laughs> You're like a nice question from the media. That's not sure. Because that's what we are, the media. This is the media. Yeah. This is the media. This is the news. This <laughs> All it, the news. Form of media, right? It's yeah. True. Podcastery. Yeah, 100%. The highest form of media art right now. Yes. Absolutely. Um, okay. So I'm just going to ask you something kind of random, um, that has is on our list of random questions to ask. Um, what do you love most or struggle with most in comedy? What do I love? I mean, obviously like I love making people laugh. Like there's that feeling like when you like kill, they're like, this is the best thing in the whole world. Yeah. And that you are completely in control of what you, like, you know, when you get an idea for a joke and then you like work it out and you're like, oh, wow, that's a great joke. (laughs) Do it. And it like ends up being a great joke. And like, crap, I have this thing that I worked on and it's mine and I created it and you're going to go run around sprinkling it everywhere and like (laughs) constantly fixing it. So I'll like say all the things I love. Like, I love that. And then I love the idea that you're always working to get better. You're always like honing things, sharpening things. Like you'll have so many of the jokes that I tell now are jokes that started out as something like completely different. And then I found like with this one twist and it's like, oh wait, the punchline used to be this. And then now it's this other thing that like somehow got birthed along the way of telling the joke. So I love that. It's just like always refining it. and then like you are completely in control of your own brand and the things you want to talk about and write. And like, it is really fun to talk about like privilege in a way that is funny and stupid and quirky. Um, in addition to jokes that are just like stupid and like, yeah, I don't know. I love that. Like, you can write about anything you want to write about and it's just, you're putting your own like unique twist and spin onto it. And I love when you see someone tell a joke and you're like, the only person who could have written that joke is that literal person that we just heard tell it. Yeah. It's just, like a special, strange experience. No, absolutely. Like, it's just such a personal thing in the coolest way. Um, And kind of like tapping into that, like personal journey, who would you say is somebody that you, or what's one more time, what is maybe the best advice you've received uh, about standup or who, or is there advice you would like to give to someone else? You're really going to put a person in that question, Carly. (laughs) like who is the best advice you've ever received that's really not what I meant to ask I just (laughs) good advice given and received um talk slower (laughs) I've been given this advice by every person that's ever heard me tell a joke and I would like to thank every person that has ever heard me tell a joke who has told me that because I like should talk slower I just like don't want to and but I do think that we I should for sure. I love to talk fast. And that's such a simple piece of advice, but I'm like, no, slow down. Like, let it <laughs> but like, I feel like talking fast and in group fitness, it's the same thing. I talk so fast and I don't know. I feel like there's such control and power and just, I mean, I think some people can talk really well, really fast. And like, that's their style. I just think like for like, I just need to slow down. That's such a dumb pe- like piece of advice. Cause it's so simple, but like, if, yes, slow the heck down. Yeah. But that is real though. I feel like people get on stage and like are, you know, trying, you know, like there's a lot to think about and you like, I don't know, speak very quickly to um, 
yeah. I don't know, get, get your, I don't know, or nerves or anything like that. My natural tea, you know, when the light comes on and you're like, great, I have one to do six more. And then you're like, blah, 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 blah. that's like yeah. the whole time. Yeah. It's yeah. Or even like, in addition to that, like a lot, I, I took a while to realize like how long you have to pause for laughs yeah you know like someone start laughing and be like great a laugh let's move on and instead of being like you know wait for them to kind of come in um which I think also kind of goes with like if you're talking really fast you like move quickly through that and you know kind of measured in the amount of laughs you get so like Like your metric audience to laugh by giving them time to laugh right that was actually something that helped me and I don't I don't know about others but like with zoom comedy because I also talk incredibly fast but Zoom comedy was such a way of like slowing that down so that when I switched back to in-person, I was talking at Zoom speed, which was still fast for Zoom, but like, okay, for real life. I'm like, oh, I get it now. I was too quick. Yeah. I also, this is an advice, but I think that like ob- observing comics like Mateo Lane and Joel Kim Booster, the percentage of their jokes that are a not about being gay. I hate that. I think you can, I think you could argue that every joke that a gay comic tells is about being gay because it's about their life experience and they are a gay comic. <laughs> anyway, but that are like gay, like gay jokes are like to me, because I definitely have been told like try to like make, like be more like relatable or like fewer jokes about being gay. I'm like, no, like those are really successful comedians and so many of their jokes are about being gay. That is what I know. And like it doesn't mean I shouldn't write jokes that aren't about being gay. Like but I think there is a lot of value in just like your own life experience and like not running away from it. Um, so yeah, so that was an advice, but just like observing what they do with that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. I, also, yeah, I think that's also kind of like, um, you only have as much material as like exists in your life. Right. Mm-hmm. So like you write about, you know, you're not going to try and write as like a straight guy. Right. Could you that imagine? That make any sense. No, huh? it'd be so weird. Yeah. One time um, the guy after me got up, I forget, it was at Seller 77, and I forget what his name was, because I haven't seen him in six months. I don't know what happened to him. Maybe he quit, but he was like, he, okay, so I went and did, beautifully, of course, and not, that not, of course, that was a joke, but I did this day, and um, he got up and told a joke about his lesbian sister. Oh, wait, no, his sister, whatever, and then he was like, and no one laughed at it, not, it was just like, no one laughed, I don't know, and then he was like, what Connor's whole set was about being gay. Do we not like that anymore? And then I was like, obviously loved any attention, of course. I was like, thank you for <laughs> back into the fold. But I was also like, wait a minute, like my whole set actually like, like here's the thing, it like, kind of wasn't and sometimes it is, but it was like actually that one punchline had nothing to do with being gay. It's just like my delivery of it as a gay person in your mind, you associated that with me being gay. So I feel like that is not, I don't know, like this is interesting. I've thought a lot about that. Yeah. I mean, it's like who you are. Yeah. So. Oh, no, I'm so, for real. <laughs> so gay. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're kind of, we're wrapping up the, the podcast. We're coming, coming to the end. As we wrap up, is there anything you would like to promote? Social media, upcoming shows, anything yeah. on our podcast listeners to, to follow you moving forward? Follow me on Instagram, C-O-N-O-R-J-A-N-D-A. I always post about shows that I want people to come to and then nod about the ones that I don't want people to come to on that. C-O-N-O-R-J-A-N-D-A. Give me a follow. And um, that, what do I want people to come to? When does this come out? Tomorrow. Tomorrow. 
Okay, June 21st, Gotham Comedy Club, 7 p.m., the new talent showcase. Come watch me, and um, I will just would just be so overjoyed. Yay! Yay. So overjoyed. Oh, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you for listening to Laughing Your Mask Off. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and leave a good review. To keep up with our hosts, follow Catherine at Catherine.Cowan and Carly at Carly Palestina on Instagram. See you next week.